childhood. We were all innocent once, unaware of the dangers and horrors of the world. But something or someone always comes along and ruins us, stealing our innocence in a vile way. It might be a relative you thought you trusted, a complete and total stranger, or even something that your young mind can't possibly fathom. These are five of those moments, five disturbing childhood-ruining memories from my subscribers. If you want to hear your story in a video, I'm looking for confessions from night clerks and sightings of the Thunderbird. You can send those stories to me at darknessprevails.org. Thank you. Tent Sleep Out in the Backyard by Caden. Every year, we host a party where we play games and get prizes bought by my parents, all while sleeping out in tents in our backyard. I was only 10 years old at the time, and though I don't remember much from that age, this is something that is impossible for me to forget. I woke up an hour past midnight, according to my Velcro watch, and I had to use the bathroom. We were told that the girls could come inside to use the bathroom, and the sliding glass door was left unlocked, but the boys, rather, could go outside. Now, we had a very large backyard, so I walked over to one corner, where we were told to go if using the bathroom. That way, no one would see us. When I was done and I was walking back to the boys' tent, I noticed the other corner. Now, this corner has a small tree and a bush near it, and you can walk behind and out the other side of them. There I saw a child standing, wearing my little cousin's sweater. The hood cast a shadow on his eyes, so I could only see his smile. As I stood there confused, he waved at me, and instinctively I waved back. I assumed it was my cousin, and I began to chuckle thinking he was congratulating me in a joking kind of way for using the bathroom. I was smiling as I unzipped the tent, but then it immediately faded. Inside the tent was my cousin sleeping, and the sweater that he had been wearing when he went to sleep was now gone, as if someone had taken it off of him. I glanced back at the peculiar figure. They were still standing there, wearing his sweater. I don't know how they got it, but I held on to the zipper of the tent for the rest of the night, making sure if anyone tried to get inside, they were not getting in through the zipper opening. My cousin never remembered taking the sweater off because it was quite cold that night and it helped him stay warm, but he also doesn't remember anyone else taking it off of him. Surely they would have woke him up if they tried. That was a weird night and one I won't soon forget. They almost took me by simple shot. I was a seven-year-old boy, not at all suspicious of the strangers around me. One day, my family and I, my mother, father, and sister specifically, decided to go on a walk around in our neighborhood. As I was so young and this was long ago, 
I can't remember some things that occurred, but I do know we were walking when all of a sudden I was very angry at my father. I can't remember exactly why, but I do remember how mad I was. In that direction, there's a little ditch you have to jump over or walk around if you're not a seven-year-old to get to my house. So I jumped over when I suddenly heard something behind me. It was a black car with windows completely blacked out. A level of tinting I now know as an adult is completely illegal. The vehicle slowly pulled up behind me and they began to roll the window down. Inside, I saw two African-American males and they were staring right at me. The one closest to me let his arm dangle outside of the vehicle, flashing what appeared to be a pistol. Just as the back door of the car slammed open, I heard my father calling my name. He must have seen the car coming toward me and was as suspicious as I should have been about this vehicle. And luckily, my dad at the time was quite well built and in good shape, not to mention he's six foot seven, so he looks pretty intimidating. When the men saw my father running like crazy towards them, the back door slammed shut again and they rolled up their windows as they drove away. If it wasn't for my father, I do not know where I'd be or what would have happened to me. My father saved me that day, but one thing confuses me. If they were armed and my dad was not, why did they drive away? They had the power over us to do whatever they wanted that day. Maybe I was just lucky. My Childhood Haunting by Jasmine. I was between the ages of three and eight when most of these incidents occurred. At the time of these events, I was living in one of those mobile home parks where the houses can be driven somewhere by a semi, but otherwise are stable. I, of course, lived with my parents along with my two older brothers. As a bit of background, it might be important to note that as a child, I was afraid of nearly everything. The first memory I have of my early childhood was when my mother woke me up extremely early because we were going camping that day. I was standing in the doorway of my room. Across the hall was the room my brothers shared, their bunk beds visible from my door. As I was standing there, sleepy-eyed, I remember looking across the hall to see this ghostly figure, a skeletal figure, standing in my brother's room. Being so young, I felt curious instead of afraid, but looking back on that visual in my head, it really chills me. The most notable occurrence in my childhood would be the dreadful nightmares I experienced every night of my life until I was five. Those nightmares were extremely vivid, morbid, violent, especially for any child that age. For example, when I was four, I remember a dream I had where my father was being slowly devoured by a shark, limb by limb. At five, I had a nightmare of a clown chasing me down a long, dark hallway full of doors. Most of these nights, I would only wake up when my heart was racing and I was doused with sweat. When I opened my eyes, I would be far too afraid to move. 
Whenever I was able to move at all, though, I would find myself running across the house to my parents' room, knocking frantically at their door for them to let me sleep with them, though they didn't always answer my knocking. So usually, I'd fall asleep in my brother's floor, but even my brother grew tired of my constant night terrors. I would soon be forced to remain in the darkness alone. On those nights, I'd feel such a strong sense of dread. Even with the lights on, the room would appear to me dark and foreboding. I would often feel eyes watching me as I lay there, begging for any kind of reprise from my horror. Not all the experiences I had were based on feelings and dreams, otherwise I wouldn't have written this story. Because when I was five years old, I first experienced the thing which haunted me, something that made itself known. I was in my room at the time. It was midday and I was playing. I was on my bed and across the room I had these drawers full of things. As I was minding my own business, one of these drawers opened themselves, shook violently up and down, and slammed closed. I ran out of my room screaming, only to be told that I imagined it all, even though the drawer was still open. Shortly after that, my family began to attend a local church. At night, when I would feel the horror and dread, I would pray. My parents even hung up some crosses in my room, and for a short time, I thought everything was better. Until I was eight. As I was walking into my closet one day, midday once again, there was a jar with pens and pencils there. I watched as they all circled the jar on their own, without seemingly any outside force, and they were only inches away from me. I found out years later that when I was a child, my parents believed I was being haunted, though they never told me that directly. I found out that they blessed our house, and especially my room, at the time of these incidents, but I could never forget the horror of watching items move all on their own, or the sense of dread like eyes were watching me, like there was something in my closet waiting to pray at me. Sometimes I would lay there for hours at a time, praying that it would all go away. I once again thought it was all over, until only a few weeks ago. I'm now living in a completely different house in another city. It's been nearly a decade. I was sitting in my room, playing around on my laptop. I think it was around 11 p.m. All of a sudden, my light switch flicked off all on its own. I thought the bulb went out until I went to the light switch myself, finding that it had been switched. And now, the feeling of eyes on me has returned tenfold. I honestly believe that it was me that was haunted, not my house, not my family. I seem to have been the target of all these horrors. The only thing I hope for is that it will leave me alone because I don't want to experience any of this ever again. Disturbing Childhood Story by Josh M. I'm pretty sure that everyone has had that creepy old person living in their neighborhood. 
During my childhood, in the neighborhood we lived in, there were a lot of old folks, probably because we lived in quite an old neighborhood, but they were always really nice to us, giving us treats all the time, except for one guy. For as long as we were there, he didn't appear to have any other family or friends. Every kid always stayed clear of his house, not even going over there to get a ball if it flew over into his yard. And unfortunately, that happened a lot. This one time, I was about 10, and I was trying to impress a girl. My ball flew over his fence, so I climbed it to go get it. Nobody ever goes back there, so nobody knew what it looked like. Of course, it was swarmed with other balls, baseballs, soccer balls, footballs. I quickly spotted mine and ran over to get it. I was trying to act tough, not scared, even though I wanted to scream my heart out and cry like a little girl the entire time I was back there. While I was running, I saw the old man. He was staring at me through his window. I had no idea what to do, so I stood still. He walked over to his door and began to wave me over to him. I knew I shouldn't have gone over, but God only knows what he'd do to me if I didn't. So I walked towards him. He had a smile on his face and actually looked a bit friendly, too friendly, which was completely opposite of what he usually looks like. Whenever I was within arm's reach of him, he placed his hand on my back and began to push me inside. In his house, I was trembling, listening to him say things like, I want to get to know you better. I don't think we've actually met. You know, I bet we could be really close friends. He set me on an old chair, then sat across from me on the couch. He had some tea on a tray, which was odd, because I didn't think he was expecting company especially not expecting me. He began to sprinkle some powder into the cup. He saw that I was watching him, then smiled and said, just sweetener. Here, he pushed the tray towards me. Best tea you'll ever have. Now, I was freaking out when I entered the house, and by then, I was freaking out twice as much, coming up with an escape plan in my head. The moment he grew impatient for me not touching his tea was the moment I broke into a run and ran out of his front door that was thankfully unlocked. All I had to do was twist the doorknob. I ran towards my friends, crying, who then proceeded to laugh at me, but most of them conceded that they didn't blame me. The guy was a creep. Later on in life, I found his obituary in the newspaper only to find out that the people in his family had disowned him because, after my story, he had gotten into some legal trouble and had to register on a certain offender's list. I'm very thankful that I ran out of his house that day because I think I know what he was trying to do to me. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. Do you believe in monsters? And given the chance, would you be brave enough to track one down on your own? In June's journey, people are the true monsters, and you can live the story yourself rather than sitting back and listening to one. 
June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too, in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. The Spider by Zane R. I live in a pretty quiet suburb in Minnesota, an area that isn't normally known for its exotic wildlife. Besides the weird weather and constant road construction, there usually isn't anything that interesting. But my own home, believe it or not, the one I had lived in my entire life, turned out to have something living in it besides me, my family, and our cat. My house is actually over 100 years old, the oldest one in the neighborhood. My mother told me that she had met the previous owner a while back, an eccentric and strange older woman. However, she seemed nice enough. The place was very spacious too, only recently becoming cluttered with our junk. Despite it only being recently that I was able to piece things together, this all started several years ago when I was still in grade school back before my sister moved out. Sarah, her name, was still in high school. At one point, for some reason, Sarah was having a lot of trouble sleeping. She seemed extremely frightened and irritable in the morning, more so than usual. She didn't really want to talk anymore, and I didn't think it was the best idea either. I figured she was just having nightmares from all the stress in high school, so I didn't think much of it. That was until one day. It was at night. I was having trouble falling asleep after watching too many episodes of Doctor Who. I began to hear strange sounds coming from the wall of my room. At first, I figured it was bats or rats who'd gotten into the attic, as would happen every now and then. But then I realized something strange. The sounds were coming from the wall opposite my bed which wasn't the wall nearest the attic where the bats would usually go. It was the wall near my closet, the wall that bordered my sister's room. The frightening realization hit me. Something was inside my closet. Instead of doing anything brave or trying to figure out what it was, I froze. The sound continued as I sat there in the dark not knowing what to do or what it was. It sounded like something was scratching at the wall, and normally bats in the wall sounded like scuttling sounds, like their little claws tapping on the wall, but this was different. It sounded like something was digging and gnawing its way through it, relentlessly scratching and tapping, like a chisel trying to break through stone. I stared at the closet and the wall, 
terrified that at any moment, that thing could break through it. The sound got louder and louder, but instead of my fears being realized, the sound suddenly stopped. I sat there in the quiet dark, waiting for it to start again, but it didn't. Eventually, I gathered enough courage to get out of my bed and turn on the light. Nothing seemed out of the ordinary. I opened the closet door and was greeted by nothing unusual except the pile of junk I'd crammed in there over the years. However, as I looked at the slanted ceiling of my closet, I noticed something that sent a chill down my spine. There was a massive crack along the ceiling, stretching nearly from one wall to the other. I immediately slammed the closet door shut, filled with an unusual dread. Then I left my room. Internally, I was panicking, so I tried to tell myself that it was fine, that it was caused by the house settling or something. It had been a while since I'd opened my closet, so maybe it had been starting to crack for a long time. But what I didn't realize was that the part of the ceiling that was cracked was a solid slab of thick stone walling that wasn't at all hollow like the rest of the house. It was thick, solid stone that hadn't been cracked at all not too long ago. I found comfort in my denial at the time, but I was obviously too freaked out to go back to bed. Instead, I waited in the hallway outside my room for a while. My fear eventually wearing off, and being replaced with tiredness. I took a pillow with me downstairs and went to sleep on the couch. In the morning, my mom was wondering why I was in the living room. I knew she'd never believe what actually happened, as any time I told her anything strange had happened, she'd dismiss it as my imagination or exaggeration. So I simply said that there was a crack in my ceiling and I was afraid it would collapse. She laughed at me, saying that the structural integrity of the house would prevent it somehow. I didn't really get her logic. She said my dad would fix the crack later on, but for now there was nothing to worry about. That day was a Saturday, so I didn't have to go anywhere and I could stay home, maybe even take a nap. After a while, my parents were both out and none of my friends were home. I was still confused about everything and frankly wanted to tell someone. Sarah was still home, so I knocked on her door. I asked her if she had heard anything strange last night, and the second I brought it up, she got a pale look on her face. You heard it too, then, she asked, a shallowness to her voice that was abnormal. At that moment, I felt a combination of both fear and relief. It meant that whatever I heard was real, which scared me, but someone else had heard it too. Someone finally believed me. I told her everything from last night, but she didn't actually seem surprised. In fact, what she told me was even more shocking than what I had experienced. She told me that the reason she hadn't been sleeping well wasn't from nightmares, but because of strange noises and even stranger occurrences. She would hear the sound of her door opening and closing, despite it being shut tight and having a lock on it. She also described hearing the sound of her drawers opened and being shuffled through. Then in the morning, she'd find that her things had been moved around. She'd also hear strange shuffling sounds in her closet 
and the same wall that connected our rooms. She would hear the same chiseling noise that I had heard, but what scared me the most was when she told me that she had heard deep breathing coming from that same wall. At first, she thought it was a joke on her, but then she realized that it was too clear. Whoever or whatever was making that sound would have to be in my closet, right up against the wall, the thick stone one that almost no sound could get past. It couldn't be me because my closet was full of junk and I was a big guy. I could never fit in there. Sarah was convinced the house was haunted, but she didn't think it was worth telling my parents about because they'd never believe us. Not much else happened for a while and my sister graduated and went to college. Eventually, the crack got fixed and we all forgot about what happened. I still couldn't explain what I'd heard that night for the longest time, but many years later, I would finally come across an answer, an even more chilling answer. Fast forward to just recently, my sister is living in New York and I myself am going to college in Pennsylvania. I came back for the summer and was living with my parents in my old room. I decided to empty out my closet so I could actually use it, even adding a wooden crossbeam on which I could hang clothes. However, while finishing the job, I found some things. As I was removing junk and sorting through childhood memories and old toys, I found that there were massive cobwebs everywhere. All the gaps between bins and old stuff were coated with thick webs like I'd never seen before. I cleaned them out, confused, but mostly just grossed out. I figured that a bunch of spiders had been living there, and not particularly having a phobia for them, I just cleaned them up. It did seem odd though, how there were so many and how thick they were, but I brushed it off and continued on. I managed to empty the closet entirely, and once I reached the back, I noticed something else strange. Near the back of the wall on the floor that had been obscured by junk for so long, there were cracks in between the floor and the wall, and there weren't just cracks, there were small fissures. One was even big enough that I could fit my hand through if I tried. The wood flooring as well as the stone wall behind it seemed to have been chipped away. I peered through it with a light and saw that there was what looked to be a tunnel leading out into the hollow parts of the wall. Had something been living in my closet, I wondered something capable of digging through stone. I again disregarded it, and after finishing with the closet, I closed it and called it a night. That night, however, the worst happened. I woke around six in the morning, particularly frazzled because I had just had a weird nightmare about being back in school. I sat up in my bed as the light from the morning was already creeping through the window. As I gazed about my room, I noticed that my closet was open, which was strange because I distinctly remember closing it. I looked at it for a while, and that's when something happened that made me freeze in fear. A feeling of dread washed over me, one I hadn't felt since that one night so many years ago. There was a massive spider, easily twice the size of my head was making its way across the wooden crossbeam. The thing was the size of a small dog. I'd never been scared of spiders before, but 
But this thing was unnatural and freaked me out immediately. It was a deep black color with a gray pattern on its back that nearly looked like a human face. Its entire body was hairy with legs that were especially long. It also had huge fangs coming from the front. I watched petrified as it slowly crossed the beam, disappearing out of view behind the ajar door. I was immediately wondering what that could have been. I didn't know spiders that big existed. I remember thinking it had to have been some sort of exotic pet that had escaped from someone, but it was even too big for that. It was unlike any sort of spider I'd ever seen or heard before, and after several long moments of thought, I finally acted. I got out of bed and shone the flashlight from my phone into the closet. I did not see anything, but I could hear that familiar scraping noise coming from the wall, starting from the floor and making its way down, as if something was moving through it. It was right by the crack I had just found. Whatever it was, it must have squeezed through that crack and left. As it was already morning and I was especially freaked out, I decided to stay awake. This time, I told my parents what happened. Of course, they didn't believe me. They live in the same house to this day, and I come to stay in my room every summer, but ever since it happened, I always keep the closet door open, and when I go to bed, I watch it, waiting for the day when that giant spider thing comes again. However, it seems to be gone, as I haven't experienced anything since. I guess that whatever it was, decided to leave for good. I did dismantle its home after all, but it's unnerving knowing that the entire time I was growing up as a child, this massive spider thing was living just meters from me. It baffles me how it could have been capable of what happened to that ceiling, or if it was something else. Who knows what else is living in that house? Childhood innocence is a fragile thing, something we should all respect, but there are still those evil few who don't care and will fulfill their sinister desires or evil ways, whether it means harming children or not. Take good care of your kids, because adults are just kids chasing that feeling of childhood, hoping to regain that happiness. Good night. Be sure to like, share, comment, and subscribe if you enjoyed the video. Don't forget, you can send me your stories at darknessprevails.org. I'm looking for stories from night clerks and Thunderbird sightings. If you want to help this channel even more, you can go to patreon.com darknessprevails and donate any amount. It'll get your name in the credits at the end of these videos, and you'll be able to download all future videos as MP3s with no ads, or click the shop button below or go to teespring.com slash darkprevails and get some of my cool, creepy merchandise. Thank you. Now, here are my five favorite early comments from the previous full video about six real encounters with La Llorona. Hoshi Art says, nearly soiled myself with that intro. I know, right? I'm finally back to making them extra spooky. Just in time for October, I guess. TJ Ving says, screw Halloween, I don't even celebrate that crap. 
Oh my God, how dare you? I don't think we'd get along, TJ. Slushy Snow says, when you don't know the myth, but you still listen like you understand. Hopefully the stories in that video got the myth across to you because it's insanely creepy. And that's how I like it. Mo says, a real Yorona is my girlfriend when I say no to her. Well, the ladies do like the word yes, except when it comes to you asking for a sandwich. Roman Noodle says, oh, the childhood memories of your abuela telling you this story. Wish my grandma told me scary stories. All mine does is cook amazing food and read these weird erotic novels. Ugh. Anyways, guys, thanks so much for tuning in to another Darkness Prevails episode. More scary stories are coming soon, so stay tuned. Until next time, here are the credits to my patrons who continue to donate. Remember, stay safe out there and stay creepy, because this world is a strange one.